Good morning. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate that. Oh, wasn't you? Oh, somebody over. Oh, Al. Thank you, Al. Appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, what are what are some habits? Uh, non rhetorical question alert. Uh, what are some habits of bad listeners? <laughs> well played. <laughs> uh, what are some What are some other habits of bad listeners? <laughs> you guys are full of them today. Sean. Presumption. All right. Yeah, she holds her cell phone up. That's a. Oh. <laughs> she holds her husband's cell phone up. Yeah. How about how about this guy who's always like, um, like trying to interrupt what you're saying? You know, like you're talking and he, and pretty soon you're both like talking really loud. Would you just stop it and listen? Um, I thought about as I was about to ask that question. I thought about like the setting that we're currently in, like I'm the one talking and you're the ones listening. And I, I, uh, that seems a little weird, but I don't want you to think about it in that context. I want to think about it in like a, what, what about like at, at a party when you guys are hanging out with a bunch of friends or whatever, and, and the guy who keeps looking over his shoulder or your shoulder to see if there's like a better conversation to be in or something like that. What are some other habits? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You've probably been that person. I know I've been that person, and I feel terrible about it. What, what are some other habits or, or guys that you know of that are like listeners, bad listeners? What are their habits? Yeah. This, is, this was mine. Uh-huh. I had somebody point this out to me. You cut people off. Cutting people off. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Al. Ooh. Ooh, guys. Oh yeah. Most of the women are nodding their heads in this moment. Right, yeah, absolutely, thinking about what you're going to say while they're talking, yeah, yeah, ooh, that's, uh, that's good, um, <clears throat> good stuff, um, let's, uh, we're, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 and, and see a story where Jesus becomes a model for us uh, of just listening, um, and it's, it's very interesting because, uh, Jesus in the story is listening to a story, and, and it, it's kind of interesting to tell Jesus a story about something that's going on. Seems a little bit strange to me. Like, why, why does Jesus, why do, why do I need to tell him what's happening? Because, like, he knows already, right? So what's the point of telling Jesus your story? I've thought about that a lot, not just in preparation for this, this series or this sermon, but like, 
why tell Jesus your story? Because he already knows. It's kind of pointless, right? Like there's, there's no information that you're providing Jesus with that he didn't already have. So I think about that. There's no information that I'm providing Jesus with that he doesn't already have. So why is Jesus asking us to tell him his story? Why is he asking us to pray? Why is he asking us to communicate with him? If he already knows everything about us and everything that's our, our, our here's, here's a truth. Jesus knows the deepest sin, the deepest fear, the deepest anxiety, the deepest anything that you probably don't really know or, or can quantify about yourself. Jesus already knows it about you. And he asked you to talk to him. That's like, like if, if you sit with that for a minute, that's knee buckling. Like the, the deepest, like I know and love my wife very well. She knows and loves me very well. But there are things I'm convinced that she hides from me, emotions, feelings, whatever. And there's stuff that I hide from her. But, but Jesus knows the depth, the deepest, darkest, most awful, horrible sin and secret about your heart, yet he wants you to talk to him. And I find that knee-buckling and empowering um, because um, I want to say these things to you. Uh, Peter has said this, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Jesus has said... If you're in trouble, if you're tired, if you're burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Those are all from scripture, but they're all things that God has said or has been said about God. Um, I want you to know this today. I want you to know this today, that Jesus cares very deeply about you. Like, I, I, you don't need to come to church and have a biblical scholar say that to you. I think you probably already know that, that Jesus cares about you. But I want you to have me hear me say that to you and have you hear it. Jesus cares very deeply about you and what stresses you and what burdens you and and what anxieties you have, what fears that you have. Jesus cares about them very much. And going back to the original question, if Jesus cares about them very much and knows about them very much, why does he ask us to speak to him? Why does he ask us to to share that with him? We're not breaking any news to Jesus, so why? And so this has been like a, a, a really long question I've continually asked myself, and I think... I think the answer is so that we can plumb the depths of our sin, of our fear, of our anxiety, of our whatever, and, and see the grace of God at the bottom of that. Like to think that Jesus knows the depth of every single one of the darkest of our sins. Jesus knows them and has forgiven them, but he wants us to articulate that to him. If he already knows it, then the exposition is coming to our own hearts. We're the finite ones. 
We're the ones who, who don't fully comprehend it. And if, if God is there and wants us to communicate our story to him, it's to illuminate the beauty and the grace that he's given to us. And that's, that is incredibly good news. Um, Jesus wants you to know that he cares about you and your story. And then the, the turn of that is Jesus wants to send you with that sentiment. If, if Jesus wants to plumb the depths of your story so that he can lay the gospel story on top of your story and speak grace over you and into you and through you, then he, that fact, you and your story, with the gospel laid over it, is what Jesus is sending you into this culture to engage with. Um, and that's big news. And let's look at a story where Jesus did that. Um, so, by the way, I want, I want to get you guys thinking, before we get to, to the story, I want to get you guys thinking about what's coming up, the seasons in our world that are coming up, what's coming up, Thanksgiving, soon after that is Christmas, there are going to be opportunities around you, you won't have to look very hard, and I've been praying this week that everybody who comes to our church this morning can consider this idea that there's going to be people around you during Thanksgiving, during Christmas, that are really lonely, that are hurt, that Thanksgiving and Christmas brings up broken memories for them, dysfunction in their family for them. And this is an opportunity for you to hear this message of hear Jesus listening to story and then laying the gospel on top of the story so that people can engage with the beauty of the gospel and the wonder of his mercy and his grace. And we can see that and know that and sense that in our own hearts. But the call of Jesus here for you today is to take that sentiment into your circles. Do you know what I mean when I say circles? There are people in this world who you have a very specific and, and very special, very open invitation to hear and speak to those people. There are people in this world who only you have a voice. You are in a unique position that no other human being in the world is, is in to speak the truth to that person. No matter who you are or what you think, there are people in your world who have, you have a voice and you have an invitation to speak in their life like no other human being does. And this season, there's going to be opportunity for you in those circles, in that influence, to speak the truth of the story of the gospel. To listen to their story and listen well, not be cell phone guy, not be looking over the shoulder guy, but to really engage and ask questions and think about who they are and what makes them tick and what makes these fears and anxieties present and real and then lay the gospel on top of that. That's the, that's the fact of what's happening. And, and throughout the 12-month calendar, this time is the most prime time to get to do that. So this morning's message is twofold. One is for us to see that God wants to, wants, God cares very deeply about you. And then carry that sentiment into our circles, into our communities, into our cultures. Um, Luke 24, 13 through 35 is where this story happens. It's the road to Emmaus. Probably you guys have heard this story before. Um, Jesus has uh, just very, very recently resurrected. 
and is beginning to show himself to people before this event takes place. Uh, verse 13, Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them, just individuals, were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. little context here. Uh, seven miles probably take a two to three hours to walk that seven miles. Um, hilly countryside uh, that Jerusalem would have been, okay? So there's some up and down, some arounds, and, and they're traveling a couple of miles to, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Uh, so this conversation takes place over a long period of time. You ever been in a car with somebody? There's a lot of conversation that happens. This is, uh, think about driving or walking for a couple of hours, two, three hours with someone. That's what's going on here. Verse 14. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what's this conversation you guys are holding with each other as you walk? Um, notice simple, open-ended questions that are there. Uh, so I've been given the charge lately, uh, recently, uh, by uh, a church planting organization to, to lead some coaches. So uh, a guy that plants a church is assigned a coach, and a coach is designed to, to just engage and ask questions about the, the guy and his family and his church and what's going on and, and beginning to ask questions. And part of that, that process is training guys to coach, to open, to ask open-ended questions and to listen for your next question. Your next question doesn't come from a, 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 a list of questions. Your next question comes from the answer to their question. So Jesus here is asking open questions to listen to who they are and, and what they've got to say. And remember, these guys are not going to reveal anything to Jesus that he doesn't already know. So Jesus is trying to reveal to these guys something that they don't already know. Second half of verse 17, and they, still, and they stood still looking sad. They stood still looking sad. Um... Who around you is tired? Who around you is, is poor? Who around you is in the middle of a hard situation? Who around you is uh, suffering? Who around you is in pain? I want you to think of very specific people. I want you to maybe even, if you're a visual person, picture them. Picture their pain, picture their hardship, picture their difficulty, picture their stress, picture what, what, what's hurtful in them. And here's, here's, the, here's the truth. Jesus, right now in this moment, is likely calling you to go and ask them open-ended questions and to listen to their story. Um, look at Jesus here. They stood still looking sad. I need you to know these guys had given their lives, had become disciples of Jesus, not the, the disciples, the 12, but had become disciples, that is, followers of Jesus who patterned their life after Jesus, and they'd given themselves completely to that. They'd likely abandoned perhaps wealth or, or abandoned home or abandoned family for the purpose of following Jesus, and now Jesus is dead. In their brains, Jesus is dead. 
The confusion, the fear, the hurt, the pain, the what in the world just happened is real in these guys. And it's sad. And they're hurt. And they're broken. And they're confused. Confused. I think that's a, something I probably should have said already. Who around you is confused? There's probably people around you that are confused. These guys are confused and they're sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? I find that very ironic. Are you the only guy who doesn't know? No, in fact, I'm the only guy who does know. But these guys are confused, and Jesus is pressing into them. And there's probably some sarcasm in that question. And Jesus does not confront sarcasm with sarcasm. Verse 19, he says, what things? Again, Jesus already knows everything. So why does Jesus ask a probing question to gain information? He's trying to expose in his hearers the depths of their fear and their confusion so that he can lay the gospel on top of it. Hear me say this and on, on, a, on an arrow straight to your heart and then to take that and send it out into your world. God cares about your story and he wants you to tell him your story to expose the fears that you have to yourself so that he can exp- lay his grace and his gospel and his mercy and his hope and his love and everything that he is on top of that. We think we know our fears, but as we communicate them to God and as we, com- we come to him honestly and openly and confidently and he lays his grace and his mercy on top of us, telling him his story, we are changed. That's a fact. And then God sends us with that knowledge to go and be that in his world. That's pretty incredible to me. And he said to them, what things... And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Remember, these guys are confused and sad and they don't know Jesus is Jesus. A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. I've read this story many times and for the first time this week I I saw this. Let's read that again and maybe you can pick it up. And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. What did they just say about Jesus? Exactly what most of our culture is saying. He's a prophet. He's a good man. And these are guys who would abandon much to follow him. And now that there's some real intense hardship that's real and present in their world, they, they snap back, you know what, the culture's probably right. He's, just, he's, a, he's a prophet and a good guy, but he's dead. Dang it. Misinterpreted that one. Verse 20. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They're sad. They're confused. We hoped he was the one, but I guess he was just a prophet. And it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us 
They were at the tomb early this morning and they did not find his body. And they came back saying they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So there's like real confusion here, right? So Jesus had said kind of um, like indirectly that he was going to destroy the temple and build it again on the third day. And, and he'd kind of said, but they were, they were confused and now they're not really sure what's going on. And now they're sad. And, and now Jesus is just a prophet and he's a man, he's a good guy. But there were these ladies that they heard about somewhere that, that had seen that and, and said that he was alive, but they're still sad. So there's this, this great deal of confusion. Have you ever been in that spot where there's just so much going on, you can't really pay attention to the details of what's going on, and you're just, there's just so much happening that you're just really confused? Well, he was a prophet. Well, he died. Well, our chief priest killed him. Well, somebody said he was alive. I'm not sure, but I don't know. I'm just going to be sad because I'm confused. This is what's happening to these guys. And again, Jesus knows every single detail that these guys are communicating to him. But he's saying it so he can expose to them their fears and their, their issues and lay his grace and his gospel on top of their story. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Jesus now begins to lay the gospel on top of their story. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Man, how cool would it have been to be there and listen to that. Because like, I've been to lots of seminary classes and read lots of books and it's still, I don't really get it. And here's Jesus himself laying it all out from Genesis to the end of of the Gospels. Here is everything that's happening and this is exactly why it's happening so that I could come and redeem your soul. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. Um, me, let me say, I, I think you know this, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Uh, there's no one, I, I, I don't think, there, there's, there are few people, let me just say that, there are few people that you want to be around more than somebody who listens well. Look at, look at what just happened. This is some random stranger who just wanted to hear their story and listen to their story and then spoke a little bit of truth to them and, and loved them well. And they're like, dude, don't leave. Let me say that, like, people want to be around good listeners. If you find that true about yourself, what kind of people do you want to be around? People that, that look you in the eye and listen to you. This is the truth here. So as God is calling you to go and take this sentiment that he cares deeply for you into your culture, listen to this. People want to be around people who, are, who listen well. Verse 
29. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Another thing, that would have been really cool to be a part of that, right? What just happened? Where did he go? And like your eyes are open and you've been, now you've been, my mind, here's where my mind goes there. Like, wow, that's incredible. That's great. This was Jesus. He's a, wait a second. I just told Jesus that he was just a prophet and a good, oh, I wonder what he thinks about me. Like we're, that idea, when that dawned on me this week, that's, that's like knee-buckling again. Like when you are exposed for believing things about Jesus that are partially true about Jesus, that, oh man, I just really screwed up in front of Jesus and told, called him just a prophet, not a big, he wasn't this big deal that he claimed to be. He's not God, he is just a guy, and, and he can't save me, and he's dead. And, and we communicated, the, I, he communicated that to Jesus himself. And if that scares us and it, and it causes us to, to fall on our face. But here's the truth. Jesus knew that when he asked the question and he still continues to give him his grace and his mercy. It's a great thing for you to be exposed as a sinner. Because his grace becomes bigger and better and you realize it more and sense it more and feel it more and are more amazed and astounded by it. So don't be afraid to proclaim your story. And don't be afraid to hear a proclaimed story that freaks you out. It's incredible, right? He was at the table with them and he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished. Verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with him and gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and appeared to Simon Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. I want to end just really quickly with a couple of ideas. First, Jesus wants to know you and he wants you to tell him your story. And Jesus wants to send you with that sentiment. I've said it many times, but I want to be very clear. Jesus wants to know you and the depth of your story and wants you to proclaim the depth of your story to him so that he might expose the gospel of his grace and mercy to you. That's the truth, and we know that. But what I think he's calling us to as a North Church body of believers is to go with that knowledge into our circles, into our spheres of influence, into those unique places that God has placed us as a listener and then as a, to lay the gospel on top of that. 
And here's the, here's the fact is you're going to screw that up. You're going to listen well, and then you're going to be confused about how to lay the gospel on top of that. But who, who cares? Talk about grace. Talk about mercy. Listen, hear, understand, empathize, love. People are begging for this. There are people around you that desperately need this. Proclaim this truth to them that Jesus wants to know their story. And if Jesus wants to know their story, you should want to know their story. And then lay the gospel of grace on top of it. Let's uh, pray and respond to our God. God, you are beautiful. You are glorious. You are wonderful. You are perfect. God, I pray. God, oh, wow, I pray that you would bring to us people that we might hear their stories, that we might listen to their stories, we might ask open-ended questions, we might care like Jesus cares. God, I pray for the Thanksgiving holiday. I, thanks, I thank you for the people that will be at our tables and on our sofas. God, I, I pray for the people in our neighborhoods who might be by themselves on that day. I pray for opportunity between now and that day to speak, to invite, to love, to cherish. Just like Jesus has loved and cherished and invited us, may we love and cherish and invite them, the poor, the lonely, the hurting, the broken, the scared. God, I pray you would search our hearts and expose those things in us and then allow us to seek out those in our worlds who, who are identical to that and bring invitation into their worlds and into our worlds and listen, hear. God, thank you for giving us this country that, that covets a holiday like Thanksgiving and opens opportunity to be real and open and love. And God, may we do that. And God, may, may we come back to this place and into our community groups with stories of how you, you spoke into those lives, how you love them and love people and how you love us. God, make it so. Lord, please make it so. God, and for the Christmas season that's coming soon, God, even more, even greater opportunity, longer season to listen, to hear, to nurture, to guide, to love. Father, show us how much you love us and our story and expose the sin and darkness in our own hearts and then speak your grace over that sin and darkness and then allow us to proclaim that message into our worlds, God. God, I thank you for opportunities that we're going to have as a church to proclaim that message, to get next to people, to love them and love them well and give, Father. Lord, we are here. 
We gather every week as a church. We send out Facebook notices and texts and emails and, and meet in community groups. We do all of that stuff, God. To know you and to make you known, Father. And here we are with this opportunity to hear stories and then lay your gospel story on top of it. God, I pray that in these moments where we sing songs, that this would not be habit. This would not be just going through the motions, Father. We would deal with you, Father. We would listen closely to you and who you're calling us to, to befriend, to get next to, to love, to show this great tender mercy and gospel to, Father. God, press us past our own failures and insecurities, God. And help us to to do our very best to act like your son. You are a good and holy and perfect God who has sovereignly designed your salvation plan to be proclaimed by dummies like us. God, may we go and do as your son has gone and done. Sacrificing, loving, pouring out grace, proclaiming the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.